Check Complete, a referee podcast, is an educational resource for referees by referees, designed to connect and develop soccer officials of all ages and skill levels to better serve the game both on and off the field. The Check Complete Podcast is back with episode four. I'm your host, Gordy Wetmore. I'm here with uh, alongside the Jason Pappy. Jason, how are you? I'm doing great, Gordy. How are you? Just It's a pleasure to be here. It's, yeah, I'm wonderful, and it is wonderful to have you here. I'm excited. So tell us, um, I didn't do a great job of this with the last couple guys, but uh, tell us about you, Jason. Let's just round you out as a person here. Excellent. Well, my name is Jason Papke. Uh I've been a referee um, probably longer than you've been alive. Yeah. Um, sometime in the 90s. I don't know what year in 1990s was, you were born. I was 90. 90? 90. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so you're a little older than my referee career. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I worked my way up through regional referee, and I'm now an emeritus referee, uh, so I am no longer having to do the fitness test, which is the most exciting thing about my referee career. Yeah. I don't have to do the fitness test oh, yeah. anymore. So I still could, but I don't have to. You could, yes. Um, so uh, I'm also a coach. I coach with Sporting Blue Valley, so I actually work uh, with the uh, Kansas Referee Committee as a liaison between the referees and the coaches, trying to kind of bridge that gap, uh, help the coaches understand a little bit about the referee community, um, providing that kind of link uh, bridge between the two groups so that we can kind of get on the same page for developing referees in Kansas. So, yeah, yeah. that's me. And outside of officiating, your day job? Oh, I'm, I'm a school teacher. Sorry, I teach seventh grade science yeah. at a uh, middle school in Olathe. So, um, yeah. Middle love, school love my teacher, job and um, and then I go coach middle schoolers. So I, I uh, I'm just a sucker for torture, I guess. Apparently, glutton for punishment, right? Yes, that's great. So, yeah. Well, we're excited to have you, Jason. Excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So um, in this week's episode, we've got several things for you guys, and we're super excited about it. We are going to be talking about a segment about what controllables we have control over every time we step on the pitch. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. We had some audience participation. There was a tweet that I found from at Sports Psych Tips, if you'd like to follow them on Twitter. And the tweet that they put out was, stop worrying so much, just focus on what you can control and do your best. The rest will take care of itself. Okay, so uh, we won't pick apart the tweet, but it got my mind going, which is always like somewhat scary. But it got my mind going about what are the controllables that we have uh, every game. So we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Um, just as a preview for what the rest of this episode will look like, we are uh, back with Jeff Swartzel, our pro AR um, contact. He's been such a great guest for us for episode two. If you have not watched episode two, watch episode two because he is he's great. And so we bring him back on to talk about AR, assistant referee involvement in penalty area incidents. So Jeff, pulls three different types of scenarios, uh, kind of breaks that down to three different types of scenarios. You will not want to miss that interview with Jeff. He really pulls some things apart, and we are going um, to do some clips on social media to follow up with that. Uh, I know it's hard to do some clips, especially if you're listening to this on one of our podcast, serv- or one of the podcast services, you're just audio only. Make sure you follow us at check underscore complete on Twitter and Instagram and check complete on Facebook 
that's where we're going to be posting those uh, videos, that content, so you can see. And Jeff's going to provide us some insights. And it's going to be things about like penalty area decisions. Uh, that doesn't always include penalty kicks. It can yeah. mean fouls coming out where goals um, are disallowed because of that. We've got to make sure that, that, those are, that those are correct. And then we have a great interview with, well, at least we think it's great. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful. I enjoyed what do you it. Mean? With uh, some Kansas referees that went and participated in a couple of tournaments, the Dallas Cup tournament, which, as we say, is miraculously takes place in Dallas, Dallas. Texas, yes, Dallas. Uh, which is salad backwards. Did you know that? With two L's. I do now. Yeah, that's a fun <laughs> fact for you. You can do that. Gordon um, always brings a background well, of food. You know, yeah, that's right. A healthy option. Yes. Um, and then the Generation Adidas event, which is also down in the Dallas area. So both, uh, we had referees from Kansas, and you may have, wherever you're watching, hopefully had some representation from your state or your region. Um, and so we'll talk with them about their experiences, some takeaways that they might have had, and then some practical advice for those of you that might be uh, getting ready to participate in an event or will do so in the future, what you can do before, during, after to make sure that you get the most out of your experience. So let's dive into our first segment here, which is controlling the controllables. As I said, you can check out the Twitter account at Sports Psych Tips. And again, it said, uh, just to pull the quote one more time, stop worrying so much. Just focus on what you can control and do your best. The rest will take care of itself. So it got me thinking, we have a lot of the game is stuff that really is out of our control. But right. what are the things that we can make sure that we have control over before, during, and after. So Jason, you bring a unique perspective on this and I'm gonna to get to that in just a second. But we reached out and I posted this on Instagram. So if you're not following us on Instagram, you should do that. You're really missing out. You're probably really sad and this could bring a lot of happiness to your life. So I would encourage you to do this, but at check underscore complete. And we posted on the story and we had one of those little things where you can like type in uh, your response to this. And so we pulled and, and a lot of the responses were things that, you, probably makes sense, but, um, and they might be easy, like, oh yeah, of course, that's the thing. But in practice, sometimes it, it fails. So some of these we'll just throw out, Logan's, Logan said effort, Zed said attitude and approach, at Ohio Referee 937 said work rate. So did a few other people, work rate showed up quite a bit. Effort and professionalism from Carson. Yes. Uh, that professionalism piece is essential. Presence. So how are, and that you can kind of, we can. Does that mean just showing up for your games? Yes, that, and it is P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, -E, <laughs> not P-R-E-S. Right, like if you yeah. give, I don't, has anyone ever tried to give a coach a present other than a card? <laughs> no. Is that going to make, is that a controllable, like oh, no. the, the wrapping paper? You, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, your attitude and work ethic. Uniform in appearance, you're going to touch on that. I will, I will I get will a lot. That's a soapbox yes. here, a second, and there's a second. Knowing the laws of the game, that is essential. Uh, we talk a lot about with our referees at our state events here in Kansas that a lot of the judgment decisions, especially if you've worked hard, right? If you've checked the ticked the boxes right. in some of these other areas with work rate and and all that, we can kind of support you. Hey, listen, they worked their tail off to get the right angle on that play. <laughs> they worked hard that whole game. And the decision, maybe it wasn't exactly what we wanted, but you know, we were we were close. We went right. yellow when it should have been red, or I, you know, we we gave a foul when it should have been yellow. But you know, they were but if you mess up a law, right? And I think any of you that referee know that if you mess up a law, it, it's it's really hard, if not impossible, for us to defend from an administrator standpoint. Right. So um, 
uh, laws of the game, look professional, hustle, and call fouls. That comes from our SYRA in Kansas. He talks a lot of that. Professionalism, hustle, and simply calling fouls, okay? Work rate shows up again. And then a really nice one that is true. Abby reminded us whether or not you wear pants. I, I was not sure how to respond to that. I was... Yeah. Like... I don't know what to yeah, do with that one either. Yeah. We probably won't touch that. But that's a good hopefully point, whether everyone, or not you... Hopefully everyone is wearing pants well, when you referee. Well, I guess if you take that literally, you may not wear pants because you might wear shorts. Shorts. We would encourage but, shorts, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, like definitely wear something. Yeah, yes. So those are the... Those are the and, and we see a lot of the trends here. So effort and attitude and work rate show up quite a bit. Professionalism show up quite a bit. And we could really dig down into what that looks like. Um, but I really want, Jason, as you mentioned, you come from the coaching background. So um, talk to us a little bit about the coach perspective on controllables. Right. Um, I, I think as a coach, obviously, I, I, I am approaching the game as instructing my players. But I also, as a referee coach and as a referee uh, instructor and, and things that I've done in the past, I'm also watching referees to see... Um, what they need to be working on. It's hard sometimes as a coach because those are two very different hats. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of the times, feedback from a coach is perceived strictly as complaining. Right. Even when I'm trying to help them, it's perceived as complaining. Um, honestly, I probably spend as much time giving feedback to referees that would go against my own team right. simply for the, the sake of them getting it right. Um, and so I try to show them I'm not, this isn't just about me winning a soccer game. It's about you becoming a better referee. Right. And I'm trying to help you see that. So um, I, I think uh, from a coach's perspective, I can tell you that there's likely a few things that a coach does almost instantly when he gets to his field is he's probably watching the referee's performance as they finish the game they're on. Like uh, as my mm -hmm. girls are warming up, I will watch the game to see what I'm going to get out of the referee crew when they get my game. And, and that kind of tells me what to expect a little bit. It tells me if there's any feedback I might give before the game. A lot of times I'll ask uh, the referee crew, what are you working on? Like I'll, I will ask specifically the referees, and I'll ask them, what are you working on today? Um, you should always be striving to be better at something. That's a controllable. You can, you can go into a game knowing that there's something you want to get better at, and no matter what the game does, no matter what happens during the game, you can focus on those things, um, knowing that you, that's something you're, mm -hmm. you're targeting as something you want to get better at. So I, I watch that a little bit. Um, but I think more than anything, then, is the, the appearance. Um, as I go out to the fields, we are thankful that we have referees that we have. I mean, we, we, can't, do, we can't play our games without them. Um, uh, but but it's also part of the job is to dress the part, um, and that would be things like tucking your uniform in, uh, uh, pulling your socks up to your knees where they go, because that's the way the uniform's supposed to be worn. Mm -hmm. um, and so so for me as a coach, when I go out to a field, and I see a referee whose socks are pushed down by his ankles, or his shirt's untucked, or whatever, it it tells me that they don't take this very seriously, that they're um, I guess the cliche is kind of that they're just out for the, for the paycheck, right? Um, because they're going to get paid either way. But um, you know, certainly it's for me, it's a big indicator of the effort level I'm going to get from a referee um, as to how they're dressed. 
uh, because they're either taking it seriously or they're looking at the uniform as an inconvenience. Uh, I don't want to get a tan line. I don't like my shirt tucked in. Whatever it might be, um, it's it tells me that they're more concerned with their own interests than they are with administering a good soccer game, I guess is probably the way to put that. So um, that's first off. If you want to impress a coach, come dressed properly, go buy some socks, have a watch. Don't be, don't, don't use your phone as your, as your timepiece. Um, have a watch. They, you can get them inexpensive <laughs> quite a few places. Um, so those are the things that, that I think are really important. Um, beyond that, in, in the course of the game is working. Um, you know, I, when I see kids out there that are 15 years old, um, and I coach nine-year-old girls or, or 11-year-old girls, um, my personal opinion is that a 15-year-old should be able to run faster than nine-year-olds and 11-year-olds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yet a lot of what I see is the players running past the referee uh, because the referee is walking or, mm -hmm. or staying in the middle of the field when they could very easily be moving with the play and, and um, those sorts of things. So again, that says a lot to a coach. It says a lot to the parents. Uh, and so that effort, that work rate is incredibly important um, as we as you prepare for a game and you, and you go out wanting to make a good impression, um, just your appearance and your work rate are hugely impactful to just first impressions. So absolutely. yeah. So much of what you said in there, you talk about first impressions, but you know the other term for that could be perception. Right. right. And so the perception that referees give. And that is something that I know some of you might be watching this going, I'm, I'm a regional referee or I'm an experienced grassroots. I've been refereeing for a long time. I've ticked the boxes. I've got the correct gear. I, I do my best to work hard. But I think some of the other little things is paying attention to perception about how we are perceived um, when we're standing near the field. Right. When we're talking, especially when, and one of the things that I try to be careful of is those of us that have been refereeing for a long time, we get to know coaches, right? which is a beautiful thing. And I love, so there's guys that I haven't seen in a while go up and shake their hand, but you got to be conscientious, especially, you know, it's a tournament. The team from out of town is the opposing team and they see you spending 15 minutes with the local coach. Yeah. I mean, right out of the chute, we're yeah. going to get screwed. This isn't necessarily new, but it's just something to remind us about how important it is to take those things seriously or just being mindful of, um, who can hear you having your conversations? We had a local college game uh, this last fall where referees said, um, the players overheard them saying, you know, we, we, this thing better not go to overtime. We got to go, I got to go drink beer somewhere. Right. You know. Now, for those of you that are refereed at any length of time, uh, we typically will joke around and even have game administrators from home schools at right. the collegiate or high school level or wherever else they go, hey, don't you dare let this go to overtime. That's a common phrase. The story unravels further right. because the game was 0-0. With about three minutes left, there was a controversial goal line decision. They said it was a goal. Probably was not. The game ends 1-0 on the home side, loses. And the, the, the players that overheard the referees talking about getting over, not letting right. go to overtime were the losing team players. Right. So they walked away from this game thinking, these guys... Didn't pulled, want to stay. Didn't want to stay. And they pulled one out of there. You know what? Yeah. To make and sure they, that... They, yeah. Exactly. So um, the controllables of that, of just being mindful of, yeah. of who can hear you and where you're talking, how long you're talking to having those conversations. Um, these are all things that, especially for those of you that have been doing it for any length of time, know for sure. But if you're a newer referee and you're wondering, should I go buy the correct gear or... Should I go and buy that other style jersey so that the referee isn't wearing green and we're both wearing yellow on the lines? Right. Um, set aside your next paycheck 
and go invest in the right year to look like you want to be there. Yeah. You would be amazed at how much less grief you get, That's right? It's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lot more here that we could spend a significant more time talking about, and I'm sure there are other controllables and things, but maybe that's a, a task for you as you continue to do your games this spring and, and into the future. Make the list of things. What are the things that I can control? What are the things that I have control over that I might not be doing the best at? I know for me, a lot of it has been, especially recently, is continuing on a weight loss journey to make sure my fitness is yeah. at a level that, and whether my, I mean, I might be fit, but if I don't look fit, then there is that, that question as well. So what can we do to make sure, I mean, especially higher level officials, making sure you might need to get something tailored to make it look like it fits you and, and fits your body correctly so that you look the part when you're stepping out on the field for, for higher level games when the scrutiny is, is much more, I mean, you're under a magnifying glass much right. more so. Yeah. So there's a lot there, but maybe what I would, we would challenge you if we're gonna give you some homework. You didn't think you were gonna get homework. But I'm with the I teacher. Enjoy, I enjoy homework. He does. Actually, he loves giving. Yes. You don't have to turn this in, but we would say maybe your homework is figuring out what are the controllables for your next game or for your future games, and what are the controllables that you can start kind of chipping away at now to make sure that hey, I'm I'm doing the best I can in these areas. Yep. So. And, I, and I will always go back to Andrew Fletcher's words: look professional, hustle, and call fouls. Coaches want you to call fouls can't say that enough yeah. like you will you will have way fewer problems calling too many fouls than you ever will not calling enough fouls and this is um, at every level right at every level yeah uh, you can always back it off but call fouls uh, because that's it sets the tone of the game and it says you're in control so as always if you have other thoughts thoughts be sure to reach out to us on social media at check underscore complete on twitter and instagram at check complete on facebook or you can email us, questions at checkcompletepodcast.com, or email me directly, Gordy, G-O-R-D-I-E, not a Y, at checkcompletepodcast.com. Jason and I are excited to bring back on to the podcast pro assistant referee, Jeff Swartzel. Jeff, thanks for joining us again. It's good to see your face. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'd uh, love to uh, be a part of this. I, I really enjoyed episode three. Corey Rockwell is a, a legend in our game, so I'm glad to see you guys got a chance to speak with him. Yeah, you got big shoes to fill here, Jeff. Yeah, no question. <laughs> <laughs> We're not playing the comparison game, so just be you. All right, so... Um, so today we're talking about with Jeff, we talked when we interviewed you in, in episode two, uh, we heard more about your story and, and really enjoyed hearing about your journey and some fan questions and things. And as we mentioned, we're, we, we're going to bring Jeff back when we did. We're going to have you kind of stick around the podcast even more as we move forward and talk about some things um, that even people had had brought up in audience questions um, that Jeff would have some expertise on. And so tonight's concept is talking about uh, AR involvement in penalty area incidents. So this is one of those, especially for those of us that are working games fairly consistently without communication devices, where we struggle to know, and I have this conversation a lot with brand new referees for other reasons, right? Based, sometimes it's based on like, referees aren't doing their job, how do I get involved? We're not gonna go down that road necessarily, but more so, um, how do we communicate? How do we work together to get the decisions right? And uh, we do, we're not just going to be talking about, and, and Jeff's going to run with this and, and give us some, some great thoughts to work from, but we're not just going to be talking about just penalty kicks, 
There's lots of other situations here um, where the whistle and the restart results in something other than a penalty kick, and that's just as match critical. It, it certainly can be. So, um, Jeff, let's launch into this and talk about this. This is probably something that you guys spend. I mean, this is a huge part of your bread and butter uh, to be an effective AR, right? Yeah, you've got it. Um, look, the reality is I can be a pretty average official uh, between the 18s, uh, but when we get into that penalty area, we have to be correct. Um, our paychecks depend on whether we're correct in that area of the field um, in both directions. The giving of a penalty kick has uh, you know, very significant consequence and also given free kicks coming out you know, might stop attack. So um, you know, we have to be accurate there. We spend a lot of time reviewing penalty area incidents and, and understanding when to get involved and how to get involved when, when necessary. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just, you know, I'm not sure exactly where we talked about this, but let's go ahead and just launch into it, Jeff, and run with this in the direction. And, and Jason and I will listen and, and lob in softball questions if they arise. So. Sure, great. Um, well, you know, when I think about uh, penalty area incidents, I start with the laws of the game. And the laws of the game tell us two times um, or, or two reasons that the assistant referee would get involved. Um, the first is uh, when something happens out of the view of the official, the referee. Uh, and the second is when it's consistent with what he or she would call and would they call that had they seen it. So um, that line of thinking carries uh, from the field into the penalty area that we're really looking for things that are out of the view and consistent with what they would call. Um, you know, we know uh, that there's a different threshold for what's a foul at midfield than what is in the penalty area. So we really need to be in tune with um, what a referee would call an, an award for a penalty kick and also what they would award uh, for foul coming out. Um, and that's really where it starts for me. It's just the basic laws of the game. Um, when I took some notes for this, um, I divided fouls into three categories. Um, there's one where the assistant referee is the most credible person on the field. Um, these are things that you know are in close proximity to them. Um, this is an example of like the handball with the goal line side hand, you know, where the referee will never be able to see. Um, or it could be, uh, you know, a, a inside or outside decision of a penalty kick at the top of the penalty area. Um, in all of these situations, the assistant referee has that unique view that only he or she can see. Um, and we would really expect the stadium would expect the assistant referee to be making those decisions. So that's category number one. Um, category number two would be the bulk of the rest of the decisions. You know, you likely can see most of what's going on in the penalty area at all times, and you probably have a pretty good opinion on what's a foul and what's not. Um, but because it's not close enough to you, or perhaps the referee is just more credible, and these are examples of things that we really don't expect assistants to get involved in, but we would expect them to have an opinion on just in case, you know, the referee gets caught off guard or gets screened for some reason, you know, you should have some kind of opinion. Um, and the last category um, are things that are truly save the day moments. Um, you know, those, those things that everybody in the stadium sees, no matter whether it's close to you or far away, that absolutely have to be called. Um, and for some reason, the referee hasn't called it. You know, these are things like handballs on the goal line or a goalkeeper being fouled in the, in the buildup of a goal. Um, you know, just true travesties to the game that if left unchecked, um, you know, would really you know, cause a miscarriage of justice. So um, those three moments um, we'll take kind of individually and decide, you know, how and when to get involved for each of those. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, so let's start with the first one, uh, yeah. the things that you're most credible. So I mentioned a couple examples. Um, 
that goal line side handball is the one that's the dip most difficult for referee to see. Um, you know, there will always be screened by the body of the defender. Um, you'll be looking across play to, um, you know, maybe make an offside decision. And so you're really the only person that can see this. Um, yeah, and in almost all cases, this is going to be pretty close to you. Um, just the nature of how these things happen. They're usually off crosses um, and not shots. And um, because you're the most credible and the stadium expects you to make a decision, this decision is usually made with a flag. Um, it's, you know, the flag straight up, a little bit of a waggle. Um, and then I run down to the corner flag. That indicates that I have a penalty kick. Um, if I'm wearing a radio, I would say penalty, penalty, penalty. And I'd run down to the, the corner flag and let the referee make his decision. Um, the other big decision that you're most credible is whether a foul is inside or outside the penalty area. So, you know, we see this very commonly where fouls happen right at the line. Um, and a referee is going to have a hard time seeing that from their angle. Um, but an assistant referee who's likely in line with that play will have this great straight across view where they can see, you know, where that foul happens. Um, and for that, again, we have this beautiful nonverbal mechanic of um, either running to the corner flag if it's inside indicating the penalty kick or running upfield a little bit, you know, maybe two or three steps to indicate that it's outside. And, um, you know, what we see a lot happen is a, a referee might get tunneled and they might make a decision. And if, um, you know, they've called a penalty kick and you don't have a penalty kick, well, you know, they won't see you standing down at the goal line. And it'd be a great way for you to get their attention eventually that it was outside. Um, or they might look right over and see you walking upfield and know immediately what you mean. So, um, it's one actually one of my favorite mechanics that um, it's nonverbal, it's easily understandable, um, and you can do it at every level. Mm -hmm. um, that second category I mentioned, that's the things that, you know, we're not really the most credible, um, but we all know uh, from time to time, our referee friends sometimes miss a decision or don't see something as clearly as they think or, um, you know, might get screened. And for all of those cases, you know, we generally don't expect an assistant referee to be involved with their flag because, well, frankly, no one would believe them. You know, they might be too far away. Um, you know, we know that they don't have the best view, but they're still prepared with that, you know, gut instinct that that looked like a penalty kick or that looked like a foul. Um, and we want them to have an opinion. Um, the difference here is the initiation of information. You know, in one case where I was credible, I raised my flag. And in this case, we expect the referee to have it. And we all know that look when they look over to you and they're like, oh no, something's happened, but I don't know. And they look at you. And in this moment, it's all about body language. You know, it's not in your head. It's switching the flag to your other hand. You know, it's, it's really encouraging them to, to call the foul that they think that they saw. Um, and then of course they get the credit. Um, you know, they'll, they'll buy us our ice cream afterwards, but um you know, that's, a, that's another great nonverbal to really just encourage them along the way. Um, that last category, you know, where we talked about saving the day, um, I see this actually, you know, fouls going out more than I see it going in. Um, but this is that true moment where it doesn't matter how close it is to you. Um, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, if it's on the other side of the field, if it's in the middle of the goal, if it's right next to you. If there is truly a moment that it has to be called, then you are within your rights to do whatever it takes. Um, you can put your flag up, you can yell the referee's name, you can run out to the field and shake his hand and say, please call this foul. Um, but if it has to be called, it's a 100% call. You have to make sure it gets called and there is no penalty for however you do it. Mm, right. 
So let's go. That's yeah. Well, first I want to I want to see you run onto a field and tell the referee. <laughs> make sure you don't. Uh, let's hope we don't get to that at your level. Fingers crossed, it hasn't so, happened yet. I do think I think what you're talking about. We uh, our our local goalie Tim Melia for Sporting KC has been involved in a couple of those. Last year he had an incident where he dragged down a Seattle Sounders player into the goal. That was kind of a big controversial thing. And then he just had one this week where there was a goal that was scored. Um, but there was contact from a forward who, from LAFC, who didn't even, wasn't even looking at the ball. Like they showed the bag and he was clearly, he just moved into Melia and knocked him back into the goal. So that, is that what you're talking about? That third example of the goal, the ball went in the goal. So the referee may not have seen, he may be watching other things. Is that kind of the thing you're talking about there in terms of those, the game saving moments kind of deal? It is. Yeah, it certainly is. You know, those are, those are those real moments that, um, you know, a referee has a lot to look at. You know, these happen a lot on set pieces, corner kicks and free right. kicks, and they might be looking for holding and grabbing on the players. And then something happens, and all of a sudden there's a goalkeeper on the ground, and they didn't see what happened. Right. And, um, you know, that's that time where if you're wearing a radio, you got a great opportunity to say, Melee has been fouled or foul, 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 you know, so, something to get the referee's attention. But again, if, if the, if certainly if the ball ends up in the net, you've got all the time in the world to get that person's attention and just say, I have a foul and it's coming out. We can't, we can't award this goal. Right. Uh, and that, that's really a great example of that. Yeah. Right. Cool. So yeah. as in the, in, in the buildup to these situations, um, oftentimes like there is a clip that I shared with you that hopefully we'll, and, and I'll just take the moment to say, we're going to provide some clips throughout the week and, and hopefully have some feedback on that. But there was a clip that I shared with you from a local high school game. And one of the things that we talked about after the game was how could we manage that situation a little bit better? And so when I, um, and we'll share this with our, with our viewers, listeners, um, one thing I suggested to the referee was when we have such a crowded goal area in that clip, we had so many players in there. Maybe there is some pre-kick, especially when it is a set piece, pre-kick preventative officiating that can be done. Um, what does that look like for you with and without communication devices and how involved is the AR in that? Yeah, um, well, you know, with communication devices, we're very involved. Um, you know, our best referees in the league are really designating different areas of the field for each official to be watching. Mm. Um, you know, they're obviously taking the the biggest group of individuals because that's where the most likely decision is going to be. And they got to be the one to make it. Um, but we're very frequently, you know, chiming in saying, Hey, you know, 13 and nine are pushing, um, you know, or the goalkeepers being blocked and we're trying to alert the referees to those situations. Um, you know, without communication, that becomes a little more difficult. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think we sometimes get into the habit of thinking we can't talk on the field. Um, you know, you can certainly yell out, Hey, I see you in front of the goalkeeper. Don't hold him. You know, I can see you grabbing, let him go. I mean, even as the assistant referee, that might just be enough clue to the referee that something's happening that, that he or she needs to look at. So um, I am a, a very big advocate for that pre free kick management. Um, you know, even just to settle players down and let them know what you're looking for. You know, if two players are kind of going at it, just let them know. I'm watching for you guys holding each other. You know, if you foul, it's a penalty kick. And if you foul, it's not. And, you know, just let them know that that you're watching and that, you know, you're they're not going to pull one over on you. Yeah, I think the vision we talk about that with our officials down <laughs> in this area, even even at the youth and high school levels with with how much things are 
um, recorded. If the video shows, I mean, this is something you guys work with all the time at the MLS, but obviously the video shows that you went in and you had a conversation. You said, and they, they can't hear what you're saying, but they can see that you're telling them, hey, behave yourself. And then if the call comes after that, people aren't going to be happy, but it's a, maybe it's a little easier to swallow. It's like, listen, you were there giving them a chance. It's the, it's the greatest thing a coach can say is he just told you, right? You right. were in there and he was just telling you to not do that. And then you did it and he called a foul. No one should be surprised here. Yeah. So that, that pre-management is a great, a great tool. Um, and actually it doesn't matter as much what you say as it does the, just the fact that you say it, you know, it's alerting players that you're onto what they're doing. So I think that's a great, yeah, that's great. And I know people want to hear you talk and not me, but one of the things I loved what you said about we can still, without communication devices, use our voice. And I and I I actually borrowed this from the other sport that I do basketball. I was before a throw-in, and we had a dead ball situation, and one of my partners, there was two players jostling in the in the paint, and he beep, 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 held things up, walked in, and he goes, Gordy, Chuck. 30, 13 and 35, let's watch them here. And those two kids were like, you know, and it was, it was wildly effective to modify behavior. And, and yes, the coaches have heard it and the coaches heard it and everything. Yeah. And so I've, I've actually taken that and, and used it some in high school games just to say, Hey, Jason, Jason, help me with contact on the goalkeeper, you know, yes. like that. And, and I think that that's great. I think we have that feeling like, Oh, it's gotta be quiet. We got to, you know, I think, I don't know if that's a product of the best referees are seen, but not heard or whatever. I mean, that go into games and go out without being seen. I'm like, I mean, I think those are moments where we need to step in and, and that prevents us from having to make bigger decisions than maybe we need to. Right. Just some yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, it, take it a step further. So another thing that we like to do um, in the MLS is especially free kicks that are outside of the penalty area. The trail assistant referee will be designated to watch like handling in the wall or encroachment. And the referee will point to him and say, you watch handling. And now everybody in the stadium knows that if a handling happens or if the encroachment happens, there's an official watching it. And now there's, there's less controversy. You know, they're not sneaking away on something. Yeah. So um, I think that communication is great. Well, let me go back to point number one. You were talking about goal side, the goal line side handling, as well as in and out across the top of the penalty area. Um, how, how involved are you when in and out along the side of the penalty area? That it seems to be much more problematic just based on your angle. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, we'll lack that depth perception to truly see inside or outside unless it's very obvious. Um, so, you know, when we're talking about a true decision to be made, our general expectation is uh, that the referee covers that line that's right in front of us. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll see a lot of those, those referees shade over to that side if a player is trying to dribble in, just in the event they get fouled right on that line, they'll be the only person that can see that. Um, you know, we also have a, just a general rule of thumb. You know, you can feel free to get involved whenever you want. You know, if you think you see that inside, get involved, but you can't miss. Um, you know, the penalty area is too important. So, um, you know, there's a very high ownership of, you know, who is credible and, and, and knowing what you know. Um, even if you think it's in, you have to have that little doubt in your mind of, I think that's in, but I don't have a great angle and the referee does. So I have to defer to my friend to, to cover that decision for me. Right. So talk to us a little bit about what this conversation sounds like in an MLS referee pregame. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you sat in on, a, on an MLS pregame, 90% of what we talk about is communication. 
um, in how we're going to communicate in these big moments. Um, we obviously have the luxury of a radio system sure. um, and in most cases, electronic flags. And so we're really working through um, if it's my decision, what's it going to sound like? Um, you know, when am I going to say it? How am I going to say it? And what do I expect back from you? You know, so for those cases where I said it, it's my decision, you know, here are the words I use. I say penalty, penalty, penalty. Um, I would also use a flag. I would, I would buzz you at the same time. And I would expect you to, to just trust me and call at that point. Um, you know, the referee, when it's his responsibility, if he doesn't know, he might ask help, help, help. And I'll chime in with my response. So through just the, you know, the nuances of how each person communicates with each other and what they expect to hear in, in not just penalty area situations, but all situations, you know, what are we going to hear for stoppage time and for subs and for offside and for regular fouls for misconduct. So like I said, 90% is communication and for penalty area incidents, for sure, we don't want, um, you know, any confusion for what you mean, um, you know, to, to come across. Right, right. Absolutely. And on the communication piece, one of the things we talk about in our entry-level clinics and, and recertifications with referees, not just with this situation, but with all things, we'll say, well, go, you know, go talk to the player or just go have the conversation with your referee. I don't think we always clearly outline how does that, like, give us the soundbite of how that's supposed to sound. So if you're, let's say you we have a goal that you have a problem with how there was something in the buildups. There's contact on the goalkeeper, like we talked about, or, or something like that. And you said, we've got all the time in the world. So you stand at attention, do whatever the referee prescribed in pregame. And the referee comes over. What does that conversation sound like? Or what should it sound like? This is probably pre-communication -communic, pre or without communication devices, right? So if you can tap yeah. into that from your, from your yeah. development, you know, but what does that sound like, you know, as a, what should that sound like? I guess. Yeah, well, Actually, it, it should be the same, whether you're wearing a radio or not. Um, it just, the difference is where you're standing on the field. Um, when that referee comes over, um, it's up to you to describe as many details and considerations about that event that you can. Um, if they didn't see it the first time, they're going to need a lot of information to come to the decision you want them to come to. So you might have to say things like, I saw this player, number 19, run into the goalkeeper and not play the ball goalkeeper fell over, and I believe that's a foul, we should have a direct free kick coming out. Mm. Um, or um, if it's a handball, I see number 19's arm clearly above the shoulder, arm stretched out, he's created a barrier. This is a, this is a handball. Um, and if you have the decision, then you need to have all the decision. So you should include misconduct with that. It's also a shot on goal. It should be a yellow card, penalty kick restart. And when you say things like this that all of our officials have heard, then you sound knowledgeable and you sound credible and people will believe you. Um, if you say things like, I think it hit the arm. I think he ran into the player. You're not instilling a lot of confidence with your teammate to make this huge decision you want them to make. So, you know, be factual, uh, use your considerations, use the laws of the game to describe the incident that you saw and how you came to your decision. Yeah. Okay? And that's true all over the field. If you see a yellow card, you should be saying things like, I saw cleats to the ankle. I saw moderate speed. I saw no chance to play the ball. I got, I came up with reckless tackle and they'll hear those words and they'll fit with what they saw and they may support you or may not. Absolutely. That's, that's awesome. That is great. Um, we're going to, 
probably wrap up here, but as, as you're, if you're listening to this or watching this episode and there's more things that this triggers in your mind, questions you might have or comments or a need for further explanation, um, please reach out to us at, uh, you can just email mine, Gordy at checkcompletepodcast.com, or you can reach out and slide into our DMs. That's what kids say, right? That's true. That cool thing. I teach seventh graders. I think they say that. Still. I think so. Yeah. So uh, reach out to us on one of our social media channels. We can connect. Jeff is is willing to answer questions as well. He's a, a great resource for us and for you. So Jeff, thanks so much for your time. I guess I'll give you space if there's any other parting words of wisdom. Like I said, you won't be able to sleep tonight if you don't get this off your chest. That's there. Um, you know, I'll finish like I started. Um, the most important decisions we make are inside the penalty area. So. Um, these are the moments that require our maximum work rates, our maximum attention, our maximum effort uh, to make sure we have fought for every inch to make the right decision. So, um, you know, get these right, the rest will take care of themselves. Awesome. Jeff, thank you so much. Thanks, we appreciate Jeff. you. Jason and I are here with several Kansas referees that recently attended a couple of events uh, in the great state of Texas. Um, so we had a few of you that attended the Dallas Cup, um, and that took place in, you'll never guess da this. Dallas, that's, I'm going to guess. Yeah, yeah. I know, that's, that's a mind blower. I, I teach middle school, I'm pretty smart. Yeah, yeah, I know you are. <laughs> um, so that happened in Dallas and then the Generation Adidas event, which also happened in Dallas. Is that correct, Nathan? That is correct. Yes, very good. Nathan went to the Generation Adidas event. So um, if we could just go around the virtual uh, room here and tell us, uh, introduce yourself. So give us your name, um, your what you do outside of soccer as far as occupation or if you're in school, what you are getting educated about, what your degree is. And then uh, how long have you been a referee? So let's, um, I guess we'll start with Matt. Why don't you go first? Hey guys, uh, Matt Gaudreau. Um, I started refereeing in uh, 2008. Uh, I got my first upgrade in uh, 2014. And then I upgraded again, uh, mid-year 2017 to uh, grade six or regional referee, which is what I am now. Um, outside of refereeing, um, you know, I, I work as a consultant. Um, I went to, to KU, um, and, uh, got my degree in, uh, information systems. So, um, I'm using that now for, um, IT consulting. Um, and, uh, so yeah, that's the, that's the quick and short on, uh, my background. Very good. Very good. All right, Drew, tell us your name, Drew. Uh, my name is Drew. I'm Drew Klemp. I'm a junior in college. Um, I'm an exercise science major. I certified to be a referee in 2016, upgraded to grade seven in 2018, and upgraded to regional referee in 2020. Very good. All right, Velomir. Hey, good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Velomir Stefanovic. Originally, I'm from Serbia. Uh, came to United States in 2010. Uh, currently teaching at a small university uh, in Marshall, Missouri. Um, referee since 2015. Uh, and yeah, that's a little about me. Very good. Nathan? 
Yeah, as you said, my name is Nathan. Um, I started refereeing in about 2008 outside of refereeing. I am in working in investments and wealth management, and I upgraded to regional in 2017, I believe, 2018. And yeah, uh, excited to be here. Excited to hear about everyone else's experience as well. Very good. Logan, round us out. Uh, hi, I'm Logan Clark. I am a freshman at Nebraska Wesleyan. I still am playing currently, um, studying business here. Um, as far as refereeing goes, I started in 2013 and I am still a grade eight grassroots. Very good, very good. So uh, before we launch into your experience, we've got a couple just questions for you guys. Um, Tell us what these events are. So as far as what Dallas Cup is, give us a, just a kind of a brief outline. I think, Matt, you're going to share with us just briefly on what that tournament is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the Dallas Cup, as you mentioned, it's in Dallas. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, the, the teams are invitational, so they do that just to ensure competition. Um, and it happens every, uh, every year in the week leading up to, to Easter. Um, the teams are U12 through U19, uh, boys, girls, men, women. Um, and the big thing about this event is there's a there's a heavy focus on the international side of the house. So you'll see, you know, the development clubs for, you know, Man U, Barcelona, AC Milan, right? Um, they bring in, you know, over 300 referees every year. Um, 35 countries are represented across six continents. So it's it's a pretty large event, and there's a really big focus on referee development, right? So, um, you know, they have a symposium that they they host. Um, you'll work with referees from different countries. You'll see some CONCACAF referees, some white badges here and there. So it's it's really exciting. It's a great opportunity to network, um, you know, start to, you know, get to know folks, learn faces, learn names. Good opportunity. That's wonderful. And did I see, Logan, did you get a chance to work with some CONCACAF referees? I thought I saw I did. Yeah, I, I did. I had a U18. Yeah, at a U18 semifinal. And where were those guys from? Uh, one of them was here from the States. It was, I believe he was in New Hampshire. And then I'm not sure where the other one was from. I didn't know if they were from, from international places or whatever. So yeah, that was pretty cool. That's awesome. And Logan, speaking of you, you were a part of a kind of a unique program that was within the Dallas Cup tournament. Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I uh, was a part of the NPSL Academy so instead of applying to the actual Dallas Cup, I applied through NPSL. Um, and so basically what had happened, what occurred was we had two coaches, Paul Scott and Kim Oberly, who would, you know, watch. So we had 12 people, 12 referees. So they kind of monitor three fields. And then at the end of the night or at the end of the day of our games, we would, you know, have a big group debrief, you know, some of them lasting upwards of three hours. And so... It was wow. just constant coaching and mentoring. And you got some swag there, I see. I did. Capelli, Capelli Sports hooked us up. There you go. Very good. Okay, and then so so Matt, Drew, Velomir, and Logan were all participating in the Dallas Cup event. Nathan, you were a part of the Generation Adidas tournament. Tell us about – give us just the, the very brief uh, synopsis of what that tournament is. Sure. So like Dallas Cup, the Generation Adidas Finals is focuses heavily on the international side as well. Their goal is to have a lot of the 
the all the MLS academies are there being represented at both the U15 and U17 level. And then they bring in teams internationally from England, Spain. Uh, what else do we see? We saw Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, uh, you know, from all over the world. And just a great experience to learn from the pro referees that were there and some pro coaches and national coach, national referee coaches as well. Uh, but yeah, the big thing for them is just development and being able to learn from those at a much higher level than we are and just trying to take something, you know, game by game and just work your butt off. Yeah. And what a great experience for all of you guys. That's a, that's once in a lifetime kind of deal of getting to, to, to go do something that big with that teams from all over the place. So that's cool. Congratulations to all of you. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. So, um, what are, uh, what are some highlights from you guys' week? Um, I don't know if any of you had a specific game maybe that uh, that stood out for you or uh, maybe a moment, um, you know, in a game where you were called on to, to make a big call, something like that. Anything you guys want to share about, about your experience from the past week? I'll go. Um, so I was in the middle of a 14-year-old boys game. Um, Things were going really well. I was in my element. Um, I had a really good crew. And as I looked around, I had not only three national coaches watching, but I had fellow Kansas referee, Velomir, and my roommate at the event, Joe Mocked, watching uh, my field. So I, I felt part of the community. I felt loved and I felt important. So it was a really uh, unique uh, feeling. That's a, that's a uh, it is a cool experience. I know from again, um, there's something you know in a regional type event where you look over and you happen to notice the people that are watching you. And, and obviously, the easy ones are the people you're there with because we all go support each other at each other's games. So when you see some of those people that you work your local games with, it's cool. But but when you see um, people from a higher you know level or or coaches that are watching you that maybe did you didn't realize were going to be there. Um, it, it is kind of a, it's, it certainly gives you a little pep in your step. If, you, if you're, if you're slagging behind a little bit because you're tired, suddenly you're not tired anymore at that point, uh, you find a little bit of energy. So that is pretty cool. I think that's great. And I think that's a takeaway, honestly, for anybody, if you're listening to this, wherever you are, I don't know, you know, shirtless eating a bag of Funyuns or something. <laughs> they still make Funyuns? Anyway, pretty sure uh, they do. wherever you are right now, take this as a challenge. You know, there's local games all around you. And so maybe stick around after you're done and support those crews or get there earlier and support those crews. That type of community is something that can be cultivated. It doesn't have to happen at an event once a year. It can be anywhere in your neck of the woods. So yeah. anyway, off my little yeah, soapbox no, for community. It, I mean, it's, you know, support your friends. I guess a lot of people have a friend who got certified with them. Um, you know, find when their games are and go watch them referee because that can be good back and a yep. good opportunity to learn from each other in a in a low pressure situation. So yeah, yeah. Anyone else have uh, anything uh, worthy of talking about in your your experiences at Dallas Cup? Or, or I'm going to call. Yeah. I'm going to call on just to just yeah. to make sure we get it hey, from each go. of them. So Matt, what was your what would be your takeaway? Um, I would say probably a couple things. So I know we're kind of mixing topics here, but I, I just remember Nathan was my roommate. Um, we we had a room together. So um, or a couple of rooms. We, we each had our own room. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, I remember him coming back and telling me about this game that he had and uh, how um, he was walking off the field and just a wall of like 10, you know, national 
coaches and pro referees were just coming at him <laughs> to talk about, you know, what had happened. So, uh, you know, li- listen to him talk about that and, uh, and everything was great. Um, it's not intimidating at all. that <laughs> <laughs> and tell you it was a good thing, not a bad thing. Well, no, it's still a little scary until you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so that, that was good to hear about. Um, and then just, uh, you know, some of the other things, like when we go to these events, um, obviously we go for learning and experience and uh, getting out there, networking, all that. Uh, something I, I feel like we don't talk about enough is sort of the social component um, where, you know, we, we spend time with each other, you know, doing fun stuff. I'll never forget about the dessert we had. Um, it's, we had a really good time and, uh, you know, just a lot of things, you know, memories and, uh, experiences that, um, that have just been really great. One thing I've learned is to not ask questions you don't want to hear the answers to. <laughs> well, no, I mean, so the dessert, the dessert yeah. one is one I'm not going to cry on. So Matt, you, you, <laughs> Thank you I was going being... to. I no. was actually going to go there, but nope. I'll, I'll refrain. So. Nope, don't do it. Excellent. Velomir, right, good to know. Please take us in a different direction. Velomir, <laughs> what do you have for us? Okay, let me, let me start a little bit like different. But like, again, uh, I can definitely agree with Matt and Drew so far. Uh, for me, like for this events, uh, the best and unique thing is like the experience that like the referees uh, can have, but as well like the players. And Dallas Cup and Generation Adidas were like definitely unique because like you have the chance like to experience uh, dealing with some international players, international coaches, uh, international referee coaches that you can get in contact with. And then as well, like working on a cruise with some international referees as well, uh, where a lot of... um, we need like to work on like body language, on uh, our communication skills and all that, because like maybe we do not like communicate in the same uh, language. And probably a lot of you uh, can agree with this, but like sometimes being on a game with me can be a little bit of challenge in that way. What? Uh, I do not know if like Mark or Gordy, you need like to put like a closed caption on on this episode (laughs) because i'm on it but uh yeah for me like it's just experience working with like people networking uh making new experiences with people from your area as drew said uh seeing like how much of support we are for each other we know that like again like refereeing as well as playing is competitive uh environment but again, like we supporting each other, being there for each other, you know, like in those like good and like tough moments and all that, like being there to support each other, like to maybe give advice um, and all of that. I mean, like that, that, that's like, I think like the best, uh, best thing for me out of like all of these adv- events and all that. Yeah, that's great. Experience. Nathan. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Nathan. Yeah, like. You know, I'm not echo what they said as well is, you know, the big thing that you get from all these tournaments is being able to meet new people from throughout the country. I mean, that's just an awesome experience. You know, you run into people here and there, but you don't really get to know them. So I think being an event, like, especially at Generation Adidas, where there was only 76 referees in, in total, um, being able to split between all those games, you really get to know people. I got to work with most people that were there throughout the week rather than being able to work with, you know, 
five or six different crews. I worked with over 10. And so it was a very unique experience for me. Um, and then I think the other thing is being able to really learn from those referee coaches and referees who have gone and done that before. They know what it takes. They know what it, they know what hard work you have to put in in order to get to the level that you want to be. Um, so being able to learn from those people really, really makes a huge impact on you. And I think the thing, the biggest thing I learned from, from these events is you never know who's watching. Um, like Matt said, got done with the game and turn around and there's a swarm of MLS referees walking our direction, you know, kind of eye-opening, a little shocking, um, but it was a great experience to be able to learn from them as well and just take a little snippets. And the one snippet I got from an MLS referee was you never know who's watching and you don't know how long they're going to watch. You might only get five or 10 minutes to impress somebody, but you have to use those five or 10 minutes for all 60 in our situation, one of 60 minute games. We have to impress someone for all 60 in five minute snippets. So, yeah. Good. Logan. Yeah. So kind of piggybacking, you know, what the rest of the group said about relationships that are built, you know, so I was in a group with 12 people, you know, and I, I knew none of them going into this. And now I, I walked away being able to say that, that is part of my referee family. Um, but other than that, you know, the learning opportunities that are at these events. So within, with being a part of the NPSL Academy, um, Paul got us the opportunity to sit in on a CONCACAF debrief that not everybody got to sit in on. Um, and so being able to sit there and like learn from how they're learning was a whole different perspective on the way we viewed things. Yeah. That's great, guys. Thank you very much. So as we conclude, I want to go kind of the, the laser round here, okay? Not that you guys talked too long before. I'm not going to say that out loud, even though I'm thinking it. No, I'm just kidding. But not that you didn't talk, that you talked, no, but I just want to hear the laser round of what advice would you give for those, a lot of referees that probably could be watching this, but there's a lot of referees that are going to be going and working events. We'll talk more about regionals when we get closer to the summertime, but working different events, maybe it's traveling, maybe it's just going to work a tournament a few miles or a few hours away. Um, what advice would you give to those preparing to attend an event um, to get the most out of their experience? That could be before the event, during the event, after the event, however you want to go. So let's go through this. We're going to go backwards the direction we came. So Logan, what would be your, you know, kind of lightning round here, guys, something you, you would uh, give as far as advice? Sure. Um, so during the event, one of the biggest things that, you know, I do when I travel is I take notes, you know, whether that's in debrief with, you know, coaches or mentors or in group discussion, I always take notes. And then at the end of the event, I will reflect on those notes and kind of put them into my own thoughts. And then further in when I get more assignments, you know, later in the year or something, you know, I try and work those you know, points that I was taught into those games. So just keeping an open mind to what people have to say. Great. Yeah. Nathan? Yeah, I'll go before. I think preparation is a huge component for performing well at these events. You know, not doing five games the week before and really taking your time to stretch and be hydrated. And especially for all of us, we went down into Dallas, you know, the Texas heat can get can get pretty rough sometimes, especially when you're there for an entire week. So being properly hydrated, prepared, um, and just being ready to go from the first minute that you get there. Not There's no warm-up period for these events. Yeah. Bellamere? 
hey, I'll do like something during the event, like just work hard. Uh, so you do not like regret like regarding your performance like after the games and all that. Uh, you never know who is watching and all that uh, and when like the opportunities will present themselves. Uh, so yeah, just work, work hard and enjoy. Yeah, true. Mine's kind of all encompassing. It's control what you can control, um, whatever's, whatever's within your ability to control. So before the event, that means the preparation part. That means, are you ready for the Dallas heat? Are you properly hydrated? Did you bring the right, did you bring cleats? Did you bring whatever? Have you been conditioned? Have you not taken 10 games a week before? All those things. During the event, it's don't be caught doing something dumb off the field. On the field, make sure you've got your mechanics right. Make sure you're in the right position to make the right call. Make sure you're giving your best effort and emptying the tank on every game because you might have that five minutes or less to impress the one person who comes and watches you that day. And that might be your make or break moment. And that's the one part that you can control. Everything outside of that is outside of your control and you shouldn't stress it out. And after the event, bringing that knowledge back to other people is something that not only you control, but you should do because that's you've had the opportunity to go and whatever the event might be and learn from other people who have different experiences or might be a little bit uh, better or more experienced than you and you need to bring that to other people. That's kind of an obligation. Yeah, wow, very good. That's great. Matt, you wanna take us home here? Yeah, just be ready for the unexpected. Um, you know, a lot of the times, uh, you know, we think, you know, that, that could never happen, but um, you need to kind of, you know, one of the things we've talked about here in this uh, lightning round is being prepared. Um, just be prepared for that unexpected thing to happen, right? Uh, you know, getting assigned a U12 game, you might not think you're going to have, you know, 11 yellow cards in a, in a send-off um, or nine, nine yellow cards in a send-off, um, but it happens. Um, so just be ready for, for anything. Very good. Well, it sounds like a story. Yeah, it does. Yeah. That's, we <laughs> don't have good, time. Sounds like a great story. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for your time. We appreciate it. We're very proud of you on behalf of the state of Kansas. We're extremely proud of Absolutely. how you guys represented us and in that event. And we've heard just great stories as I've talked to several of you about your experiences um, and the development of referees uh, across the United States. But those two events are fantastic. So thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. We're going to include some things in the links of our video and our podcast about um you know, these events. If you're watching this somewhere and you're interested in working at one of these events, reach out to your state organization and, and express your interest. Just let them know that this is something you might be interested in. The answer might be no. Do not be discouraged about that. Continue to work hard. And it's it, for them, they need to know that that's something you're interested in. And if, if, if that's apparent to them, then uh, they'll put you in places hopefully to succeed and, and take the steps that you need to 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 get better. So, and if, if this is something you're interested in, uh, understand that these five guys we're talking to have climbed a really steep staircase to get to where they are. In other words, the, they built a foundation. They worked hard when they were younger. They, they um, put in the effort and the time. This is not something that just happens, you know, wake up one morning and someone invites you to go to Dallas Cup. It's a, it's a long process with a lot of frustration, a lot of um, building a lot of breaking down, uh, you know, you just, we got to figure out what we're doing wrong. And, and that's just, um, just know that that's part of the process. So, uh, you know. 
That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, very good. Thank you, guys. Jason, I'd ask if you had any more thoughts, but we don't have time. Right. So you can just Those were the, my thoughts. Just add it to the things that you cry into your pillow at night. There about. you go. So there you go. All right. Thank you guys very much. We appreciate you. See you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you. Well, this has been episode four. We'd like to thank you so much for listening. Episode four, episode cuatro, as they say in Espanol. That's almost all Spanish. Yeah, I am. I uh, I can do that, and I can order at Taco Bell. There you go. What yeah. more do you need? Not much, uh, <laughs> besides Pepto-Bismol. But uh, the Mexican pizza is coming back. That's just an aside. If you're a big fan of the Mexican pizza at Taco Bell, it is returning there were several that there was weeping and gnashing of teeth when they got yes, rid of it yes it is a signature item signature I, item. I used to have those quite often yes yes um okay so uh, as always we've got a word of the week that you need to work in um none of you are sending us these so please let us know i just i there's part of me that just has hope that they're being utilized but just let us know what's going on so just just to throw this out there see if you can work lackadaisical Lackadaisical is a good word. And for those of you that are not the spelling bee whizzes, unless you're sitting there on the back of your spelling bee card scratch, scratching your finger into it, L-A-C-K-A-D-A-I-S-I-C-A-L. It is an adjective which means lacking enthusiasm and determination, carelessly lazy. And, and so it fits well with our theme of the day, our topic of, of control the controllables. Uh, yeah. Don't be lackadaisical as a referee. That's right. You can control that. You can control that. Do not be lackadaisical. Okay? Um, so work that into your games. Let us know how that goes. Jason, thank you so much for being here today. How was your co-hosting experience? You know, I, it was uh, it was wonderful. Wow. I, was, I was thinking of something to say there, and, and I decided to veer away from that. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, but, but it was great. Uh, like I said, I, I've, I've been interested in what you were doing. I've, I've thought about uh, the fact that we need a good referee podcast for years and, and just did, could, didn't have the time or the energy to make it happen. Um, so I appreciate you looping me in, and, and I look forward to sitting in this chair many more times. Yeah, we're going to bring you back in. Um, because I'm smarter than a lot of you, and so I have a lot to offer. That's true. And <laughs> humble. That's We brought him on because humility is his strongest. It's, no, it's because I'm older than you. It's, I have years more experience. And, you know, so as we spoke earlier, I mean, I was, I was coaching with right. you. I was, I was playing, I guess, when, when your dad, no, I was, I was out of high school. So when you were, you were yeah. yeah. I was coaching with your dad when you were young. So yeah. It'll just be hard to get him out of the chair, especially with this hemorrhoid donut <laughs> that he's sitting on right now. So anyway, um, it's good. You can bring my cane up and my walker. That's right. That's right. So we want to say thank you as well to, we want to say thank you as well to, uh, pro assistant referee, Jeff Swartzel. Jeff, as always is a wonderful guest with great insights. We're going to keep him coming back as long as he, he'll associate himself with us. He might not. We, it's getting weirder. And weirder. <coughs> you just brought in a new sponsor. I, yes, I did. Uh, we also want to thank Matt, Drew, Velomir, Nathan, and Logan, our local Kansas referees, who shared with us about their experience at both the Dallas Cup and the Generation Adidas tournaments that took place in Texas this past week. Um, at least when we're filming this, it took yeah. place in those last week, the week before uh, Easter. And once again, to Jason Papke, our co-host today, we really appreciate that. So um, we want you to send us your crew pictures. We would love to see that. We're going to roll some here as we uh, kind of play out here. 
But um, tell us, when you send it to us, we need to know where you're working and who you're working with. We want to feature you. Okay, we want to see great. that. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. Uh, it kind of helps us know where our reach is as far as our podcast, which we hope um, you'll refer this to your referee friends that this might be beneficial for them. Or if nothing else, just something fun to listen to while you go about your life. Okay? Um, make sure you're following us uh, at check underscore complete on Twitter and Instagram, at check complete on Facebook. Follow us on YouTube. Hopefully you're watching this on YouTube. But if you're listening to the audio version, that's wonderful. You can check us out and see at least Jason's beautiful face on YouTube. Uh, we want to hear your positive feedback. Tell us about how amazing we are. We love that. I'm a words of affirmation love language person yeah. that we establish. Yeah. So, but if you have something negative that you'd like to send to us, please write it on the packaging of a USSF white block jacket retailing at $45.95 from officialsports.com. Write on the back of that and mail that to us. And size, size large, because then I'll get to wear it. Yeah, yeah. Or XL and we could wash it in warm water. I don't know. But that way it could shrink. Uh, but I need the XL. But I'm working on being less XL. Anyway, send that to us so we can uh, just get right on that negative feedback and fix it. I'm sure we'll do that. So, Jason, thanks again. Appreciate it, buddy. Hey, thank you. Thanks for watching and listening. Um, once again, follow us on social media and stay plugged in, especially as we talk more about our penalty area incidents, how ARs can be involved in that, and use some video examples of that. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.